We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace here on PacersTalk.net. I am your host for today's show, Alex Golden. Mike Focci will not be joining me on today's show. He is still traveling back from New York for the Thanksgiving holidays, so be safe out there, Focci, if you're listening to this. But on today's show, I'll be joined by Joe Mullinex to preview the Pacers-Grizzlies game for Monday night. So I hope you guys are enjoying your day. Sit back, relax. Joe gives us some great insight on this Grizzlies team, John Morant's injury, and what we can expect from the game on Monday. All righty, Pacer fans. Joining us right now, he covers the Grizzlies for SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. It's Joe Molnax. Joe, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me on. Just just uh, trying to make it through. You guys are in a much better place uh, than we are in Memphis. And, and our one bright, shining light, John Morant, is, has been taken away from us. So that makes Monday's game a little less interesting. Right. So, yeah, we saw John Morant, who looked pretty good last week. He ended up running into a cameraman. Uh, he's actually had a couple hard falls throughout the season, and I think just the way he plays can uh, not be dangerous, but having having cameramen and so, so many things close to the basket, for guys that are athletic as him, you know, that can be a problem if they get in his way. And so he actually went on Twitter, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, and said, all right, we've got to move these cameramen back. And so – we know he's dealing with back spasms. The report officially is he's out week to week. So what are your expectations for this injury? And do you agree with him that cameramen should be moved back? <laughs> Ban all cameramen, right? Who needs, <laughs> who needs television games anyway? Um, in all seriousness, I don't expect him back for several weeks. I'd be surprised if he was back in this calendar year. Uh, 2020 makes sense in terms of January 1st around there. Give him a full month to try to get this thing right. Anybody who's had back issues knows that it, it can definitely be something that can linger and create problems for you. So they, they're not really playing for much. Obviously, you'd love to see him play with Jaron Jackson Jr. more, the, the future cornerstone partner in crime alongside Jaw and 
Of course, there's other players that are on this Grizzlies team that you're trying to see if they fit next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. long-term. So you want him back at some point, but at the same time, the season's still relatively young, still got about three-fourths of the games to play. So there's no real point in, in trying to get him back on the floor for some random Monday night against Indiana, no offense, or, or any team for that matter. Uh they're not looking to make the playoffs this year. The next great Grizzlies team is still a couple of years away. So you want to make sure that the guy who logically seems to be the leader of that next great team is fully functional health-wise to be able to improve the way that you want him to. Yeah, and no, I definitely think that Memphis, being in the situation they're in now, um, they've got young talent and they're still trying to develop it. So making sure that their guys are healthy for when this core becomes and when they enter into their prime, you know, that that's when it's key. And, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. was a guy that just tore up the Pacers last week. I think he had 28 points. It felt like there for a while he couldn't miss anything from behind the arc. And, um, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a fun player to watch. And a lot of people have been high on him since he came out of Michigan State. What has he done this year to improve his game from the previous season? He's really done a lot to – spread the game out in terms of the three-point shot. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the most efficient three-point shooters in the entire NBA, and, and that's pretty surprising. Uh, we knew he had that level to his game. We didn't realize he could be that explosive at it. Uh, he doesn't look as athletic as maybe we thought he was, and it's possible that the weight that he's put on, he's put on good muscle weight uh, in theory, but obviously you get a little bit heavier. Maybe he's not as explosive at the rim as he once was. He did do some good defensive things on Friday night to maybe negate some of those concerns. Uh, but the, the main takeaway with Jaron so far is how much of a perimeter threat he's been and the realization that he's not going to be a traditional big. You know, everybody wants him to be a better rebounder, and I think that's understandable to an extent. But he's a guy who really can handle off the dribble on the perimeter. He can shoot the three. He, he might just be a six foot eleven uh, wing, obviously not to the level of a Kevin Durant or somebody like that, but he can defend on the post. He he is a solid rim defender, but where he has really thrived so far this season is as a three-point shooter, and when you have a four or five that can space the floor that effectively, that's obviously a pretty big weapon in the modern NBA. Yeah, we know a lot about that with Miles Turner's ability to step out and knock the three ball down. And it definitely does give you the benefit of the doubt sometimes when you're going up against teams. And it, it makes you more diverse. And then you have another guy in uh, Jonas Valanciunas who is more of a back-to-the-basket bruiser down low. And, you know, he came over from Toronto last year in the Marcus Saul trade. Just somebody that's been okay for you guys. You know, I don't expect him to be some great center. But he, he does provide that bruiser that you guys need and uh we've seen Valanciunas have his way with the Pacers in previous years and uh do you think he's on the decline of his career or or do you think that he's just kind of showing who he is true colors I think he's kind of stationary at the moment he he was slow to start but the last couple of games he's done really well I think he had 30 points and 16 rebounds a couple of games ago Uh, I think he had another 20 and 15 on Friday night so He's actually playing pretty well of late, and I think that he's somebody to keep an eye on in this game. You know, obviously you have Jaron and Valanciunas and then Brandon Clark off the bench against the three-headed monster that the Pacers trot out in terms of their bigs. That's one of the fun things to look for uh, because Memphis obviously has those three guys, Clark uh, being their main guy off the bench and, in theory, future starter next to Jaron. 
Uh, Valanchunas is the bridge. You know, Jaron's not ready to be a full-time five. He's not physically prepared for that. He talked about how he's not really a rebounder. He may never be a guy who dominates the glass. Valanchunas can do that at any point against anybody in the NBA. And, and that's why Memphis kept him around. I truly believe that. They see him as a guy that if Jaron can come along and be ready to play that five position with Brandon at the four more consistently, Valanchunas signed a very team-friendly deal in terms of trading. It's a declining uh, contract. So the most money he's making is this season. It's only going to go down from there year to year. So it's a tradable deal. I think teams would be interested in Valanchunas. I think Valanchunas' greatest value to Memphis in the long term, if he's going to stick around, is as a bench scorer. You know, I don't necessarily see him dominating a bunch of starting-level bigs as he gets older, but he has a skill set and a way of playing the game that, against reserves, he could really be a threat. So he's a starter for now. I don't anticipate it staying that way as the years go on if he stays with the Grizzlies. Uh, but he's definitely doing well enough in the moment to make him a threat going into Monday night's game. So my my last question about this Grizzlies team, it's not really necessarily uh, related to tomorrow's game, but I want to talk a little bit about Andre Iguodala, this contract situation. Uh, there's been reports saying the Grizzlies will not look to buy him out and let him just sign with anybody and said they want to try to trade him. Do you expect a team to make a deal with the with the Grizzlies, or, or do you think that they will end up buying him out once the trade deadline's over? I would be stunned if they bought him out at this point. Okay. Um, I don't think it makes any sense for them to buy him out. I think there's going to be interest in, in him. It, you can't find somebody with the championship pedigree. There's not many finals MVPs uh, walking around available right now. And Andre Iguodala is one of those guys. So there's some teams where it's easier than others. To, you know, everybody talks about the Clippers and the Lakers being possible destinations. Contract-wise, I don't see how it'll make sense. Uh, the team that makes the most sense, at least in terms of a combination of assets and, and moves, w- would be a team like the Dallas Mavericks, uh, oh, the yeah. overachieving Mavericks, who, you know, you put Courtney Lee in a couple of second-round picks. To me, that's enough. Like, if you get two additional second-round picks out of Andre Iguodala to go along with the first-round pick from Golden State just to take on his contract, that's a massive win. So I think there's going to be enough of a market especially with a team like the Mavericks who have had some defensive struggles. Their offense is obviously explosive with Luka Doncic leading the way. But if you can add a defensive wing like Andre Iguodala who can really kind of get that team to buy into a championship mentality defensively, I think there's real potential there. So, And that's just one example. You know, there's right. other teams that could really kind of drive that price up. Maybe Memphis even gets another first. That's probably a little bit lofty. But I, I think a team like Dallas – overachieving to this point if they can stay steady and stay in that playoff hunt i think that's really going to help memphis in terms of just having more suitors for iguodala as the trade deadline gets closer and to be honest with you once contracts that were signed in the offseason are eligible to be traded after december 15th i think you'll see the trade market heat up it might uh, not even take that long beyond you know the rest of this calendar year i wouldn't be shocked if andre iguodala was traded to somebody else by january 1st 2020 yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think that he, I mean, his contract's not even that bad. I mean, it's $15 million, I believe. So, uh, well, and know, it's expiring. Right. And it's it's something that teams would be more willing to take on, especially for like a, a rent-a-player type thing uh, scenario, because a lot of these teams probably feel, I think a lot of teams in the East probably like Toronto, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, even Indiana, they all probably feel like they have a good shot of making an Eastern Conference Finals run because – 
to me, Milwaukee's been the best team so far this season, but uh, the other teams, there's no dominant team besides Milwaukee. So, you know, teams like that could be really interested in getting a guy that can just be a game changer and go out there and defend. So uh, let's look back at that Pacers game, though, last Monday. What did you like from the Pacers, and what were some of the things that stood out to you? Malcolm Brogdon's awesome. I really wanted (laughs) Malcolm Brogdon as a Grizzly. I wanted Brogdon way back when he was drafted in the second round. I I think that whether it's NBA Twitter or even, obviously, front office types, you know, folks overthink this sometimes. And Brandon Clark's a great example of that now. You know, Brandon Clark, you're trying to tell me that there are 20 guys in that first round better than Brandon Clark. I find it hard to believe. And Malcolm Brogdon can say the exact same thing about what he's done with his NBA career and all the guys that were taken in front of him. He's just a stud, and I think that he plays the game at such a high level. He has a brilliant view of the game. He understands where his teammates are supposed to be on every part of the floor, on both sides, offensively and defensively. And I think Brogdon is just such a nice piece. And when Oladipo comes back, I'm really excited to watch those two guys play together because obviously Depot can do some things with the ball in his hands. You essentially have two combo guards leading the way for your offense. I I really was impressed with the way that Brogdon played, and I think that he's really embracing his larger role in Indiana. And and maybe that slows down a little bit as the Pacers get healthier in the months to come, but I think they'd be wise to keep Brogdon out of the forefront because he's a leader both in terms of the way that he plays and the way that he carries himself. So I really enjoy watching Malcolm Brogdon play. Maybe you don't hear that very often on this podcast, (laughs) that people are excited to watch Malcolm Brogdon, but I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA, and and he's really what's helped the Pacers get off to the start that they're on. Yeah, he really has been the adult in the room, as I call him. He's been the steady hand when things have gotten a little bit rough. But, you know, if you look at this Pacers team, some of the close games that they've had, it's been frustrating because that late-game execution has just not been there. And if you look at the way this roster is built, if you put Oladipo with that roster, that is the missing piece right now. I mean, the Pacers are competing without Oladipo against the best of the best. I mean, even Brogdon goes down against the Rockets and the Pacers are playing, you know, without three of their starters for this season without Oladipo right now. And they still competed all the way to the end of the fourth. I just think this Pacers team is built a lot better than it has been in years past because there's so many different options on the scoring side of things with Jeremy Lamb, with T.J. Warren, with Turner and Sabonis being able to score at times. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, when Oladipo is healthy, you know, this team is just really deep. And while they haven't really had any great wins besides the win over Utah, they lost a tough one in Philadelphia on Saturday, this this Pacers team is on the right track. And so playing a team like Memphis, it, especially after losing to Philadelphia, uh, it's just kind of that grind uh, of the of the 82-game schedule. And so trying to take care of business on the road trip, no John Morant, you know, just can't come in there and basically my biggest – fear is just overlooking the Grizzlies and then getting beat on their home floor. And that's certainly possible. I mean, the Grizzlies get up for games against better teams, and they play down to the level of competition like any young team does. So it should be a game that Indiana Pace, that the Indiana Pacers win handedly. But if they overlook Memphis, I mean, they're going to hang around longer than maybe than they should. And, and if you give a young team hope going into a fourth quarter, all bets are off because the Grizzlies have the talent to compete with just about anybody. They've done it against the Clippers and the Lakers, two of the best teams in the NBA, you know, over the last week or so. They've shown that capacity. So if you overlook them and let them hang around, they can knock you off if, if you want them to and you have a bad loss on your ledger. I don't think the Pacers will do that. I have a lot of respect for the coaching staff, and, and I think it might be competitive for 
two or three quarters, but I expect the Pacers to eventually pull away. Yeah, especially last week. I mean, the Pacers were up by quite a few points. I think it was 29 at one point against Memphis, and they let the Grizzlies go on like a 12-14-0 to run, something like that. Can't remember the exact run that it was, but I know McMillan said after the game, like, you know, don't mess with the game. you you got to approach every part of the game like it's, you know, a, a tie game or whatever. So one of those things that I'm just excited to see the Pacers get back on their winning streak. And uh, my, my last question for you regarding Memphis is who have been some surprise players for you with this team and some guys that have really made contributions in, you know, helping the growth of these young players? Well, we've really liked what Jay Crowder's done. You know, he's somebody that was brought in as part of that Mike Conley trade. And everybody viewed him as, oh, okay, another veteran that they're going to trade at the deadline. But Jay Crowder has really bought into being a part of the roster, being one of those veteran adults in the room, as you put it, uh, in terms of Brogdon with the Pacers. Crowder has very much been that for the Grizzlies, and it's been good to see him contribute. I don't know that he's a part of the long-term plan, but it's definitely more of a question than maybe it was when that trade was initially made with Utah. I've also really liked what they have done with Kyle Anderson, and obviously Kyle Anderson has been around a while, but they're finally using him a little bit more in the way that he's supposed to be used. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, the new head coach, isn't trying to ask Kyle to be something that he's not. So it's almost like you've acquired a new player, and Jink and uh, Anderson is out there running more point forward, doing a little bit more of what he did when he was a member of the uh, when, when he was a member of the Spurs there with Popovich. So. It's been fun to watch him kind of flourish and be one of the best players on the Grizzlies. Uh, Brandon Clark's been awesome, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, it shouldn't really surprise us because aside from Spion Williamson, he was the best player in college basketball last year. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's thriving at this stage, and, and it's nice to see that Memphis may have really won a draft by drafting two future stars or starters at least in Morant and Brandon Clark. Uh, there's reason for optimism. You know, it, it's weird to say that as you look at a team with the record that the Grizzlies have. Certainly doesn't seem like they're going anywhere in the near future. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and Grizzlies fans are excited because at least it's purposeful losing. You know, the last two years we were sold a bill of goods in terms of Memphis competing, and we're right there. You know, Mark and Mike, Mark saw Mike Conley, they can get us to the playoffs. And, and it wasn't true, and a lot of people believed it, myself included. And we had to kind of come to grips with the fact that Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley weren't good enough, and we had to move on from that era. And now that they've done that, there's at least a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of purposeful losing. You know, they're learning lessons, they're competing. In no way is this team tanking. They're just not good enough to win these games against good NBA squads that compete for a full 48 minutes. They can compete for 24 minutes, they compete for 36 minutes, but they just can't put a full 48 together. And, and it's refreshing to watch that. You know, it's not a team that's purposely losing. It's a team that's losing with purpose and learning lessons along the way. And, and while it's frustrating for a fan to have to be looking at Tankathon again, uh, it is a positive in terms of at least you can see that there's progress being made. And that's something to watch as the season goes on. Well, Joe, I want to thank you again for coming on. I know it's, a crazy Sunday, a lot going on with the holiday weekend, so I appreciate you taking some time to preview this game for us and give us a little insight on the Memphis Grizzlies. And if you guys want to follow Joe on Twitter, he's at Joe Molinax. That's M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. And like I said, Joe, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Anytime, buddy. Appreciate it. 
Alrighty, everybody, that does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. We'll be back with you guys on Wednesday morning for our full flagship show. Mike Focci will be joining me as always, and we hope you guys follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3 and over on Instagram at PacersTalk. And until next time, peace out, Pacer Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.